From tornadoes to hurricanes, blizzards, and everything in between, you're listening to the Stormfront Freaks Podcast. The Stormfront Freaks are former television meteorologist Mark Massaro, collegiate senior in atmospheric science Brady Harris, digital meteorologist and weather producer for The Lift on the Weather Channel app, Dina Knightley, freelance on-camera meteorologist and former Weather Channel meteorologist Kim Cunningham, and I'm your announcer and Skywarn Network radio operator, Mark Johnson. Now, here's the moderator of the Stormfront Freaks podcast, amateur storm spotter, Bill Johnson. All right, welcome to the most entertaining weather podcast on your listening and viewing device. Uh, this is the Stormfront Freaks podcast and Stormfront Freaks Raw. So thank you for listening. And those of you watching us live, this is episode 22. Yay! Right? Too, baby! Yes, is extreme meteorologist Reed Timmer. Reed. Uh, We will also be discussing the disparity between weather for the benefit of science versus weather for business and money. So that ought to be a good topic of conversation. Mm -hmm. And don't forget our favorite weather fools and WX resources. Uh, We'll close that. uh, We'll close out with that. So hope you'll stick around with us for the next hour or so. I am getting over this cold uh, crud, whatever it is. So I've I've got my Barry White voice. <laughs> hey, uh, so I don't know how long I'm going to last. Uh, but but I'm so I'm struggling a little bit. But hey, if you're watching our live show, we'll be monitoring Twitter throughout the recording for your questions and comments. So if you do have a question for Reed or one of the freaks, uh, just go ahead and add hashtag. Stormfront Freaks to your tweet, and we'll try and share those uh, as we go along. So, uh, Maz, let's go ahead and introduce everybody. Awesome, awesome. Thank you, Phil. Hey, to our uh, our new listeners and viewers, we uh, uh, we just kind of want to inform you in advance. We always look and sound a little bit better when we uh, are having a beverage. We'll just call it happy hour, no matter what time <laughs> it is out there for everybody. So uh, it's always happy hours here with the freaks, just to let you know. So to introduce us with the team. Let's kind of find out what everybody is imbibing tonight. Could be water, could be hard water, could be heavy water, which is nuclear <laughs> or something, isn't it? Anyway. So let's, Phil, are you having like, uh, what are you having? What do you like? Vicks or something? Uh, so here's what I'm working on right now. I'm sipping away at a Kroger <laughs> Children's Cold and Cough what, bottle. You're sipping? Wow. And I, how, how much have you sipped? If you can see, That's if you right. can see how wide that opening is, this is oh. not a wide mouth bottle. So, oh. But this, this is what I'm chugging away at right now. And unfortunately, we don't have any grown up stuff in our house. So uh, oh. I'm sure there's no alcohol in this version of mm. Children's Cold and Cough. Pharmacist Mommy. on line one. Pharmacist line one. I'm being pretty boring tonight, but I, I think we got Dakota on, so he'll help us out, I think, later. <laughs> awesome. You know, just give it a 30 yeah. minutes. I'm sure it'll kick in just to let you know. <laughs> All right, Kim, what do you have? Well, I have, of course, an IPA, but tonight's beverage is a new Belgium. It's called Citradelic. Can you see it? And it's a tangerine IPA. So I'm getting a little bit of vitamin C in with my IPA here tonight, and um, it is very tasty. Okay. I'm enjoying it with everyone. Nice. Okay. Awesome. Cheers. 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 Are you going to send us all a sample? I shall. Awesome. Ooh. I shall. Awesome. I think you like Great. it. You guys, you guys can all find it, though. It's Citra- It's New Belgium, so it's everywhere. Okay. Well, here, go ahead. Well, 
Well, here's the deal. So I'm going to the beach on Saturday. So, you know, it's my spring break. So I've got to, you know, I've been trying to keep a very slim figure. And that's why I'm having this Atkins protein shake. (laughs) Three grams of net carbs. Oh, my gosh. I haven't checked. It's got to have the beach body, Brady. Exactly. There might might be some alcohol. I don't know. You know, it's a little crazy, but that's what I'm drinking today. Yeah, probably not. Wasn't that a movie, Beach Body Brady? Beach Body Brady. Brady. Never mind. Beach Body Brady. If it hasn't come out, it is coming out in the next year or two. Well, we'll see it uh, in about a week and a half on YouTube. Exactly. (laughs) Hey, Brady, is that Oprah diet approved? (laughs) You know, it's actually a little more extreme than the diet she wanted. The diet she wanted was a little wimpy compared to the one I wanted. All right. Hey, Dina, what do you got going on? Okay, so I'm embracing this whole happy hour thing. And I think it was Phil who said out this. tweet the other day with all these like the billboard with weather terms on of it on them and one of them was a mudslide oh, so i made my 20s and i went and bought everything for it i made one yesterday to try it out and i tweeted it look at that that oh, is so nice. good i don't know oh, why i haven't gosh. had more of these but boom that's a dessert it is and it's <laughs> it feel really it. happy Get that out of the, Dina, please put that down. It's, 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 it's terrible. Oh. Brady, you're so mean. Oh. Horrible. Tastes like broccoli. You're evil. You're pure Tastes evil. Like broccoli. Tastes like broccoli. And it's sugar alcohol, so it doesn't count, right? The sugar. Oh, no. Yeah. Anyway. All right. I made hey. it with stevia. Oh, nice. No, there you go. <laughs> hey, so uh, I, I unfortunately uh, decided to give up a wrong time to give up beer and bread for Lent. And uh, uh, so we're back to wine. Just wow. to let you know. There you okay. go. You must, not be, you must not really be a Catholic. Uh, <laughs> I'm probably one of the only Italian non-Catholics you'll run into. <laughs> so, so there you go. Anyway, but no bread either. That that was a hard oh, that's one. Rough. Yeah. Anyway, it's a Pinot Noir for tonight. So anyway, no. hey, okay. our guest co-host this episode is uh, part of the National Weather Podcast Month. Is our co-host from the Weather Junkies Podcast, Dakota Smith. Dakota. Hey, everyone. Thanks hey, for having me. Hi. Welcome. Hey, Dakota. Really appreciate it. You can tell uh, us more about you later. What are you drinking right now? Yeah, so I'm drinking an IPA uh, right here. Uh-huh. And uh, Kim, I, like, I know that you like IPAs as well. I, I actually, do. Yeah, I go to school in Fort Collins, so I, I go to New Belgium all the time. Oh, that's awesome. It's very good. It but, is great. Yeah, but right here, I actually uh, brewed this beer. Uh, we call it the oh. I- Isobaric oh. IPA. Uh, no Sweet. pressure to drink it. Oh, oh, right. oh, I love, I love it. it. That's good. <laughs> That's perfect. We're such weather geeks, aren't we? It's disgusting. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> and that is legal in Colorado, right? Yes. Oh yeah. yeah. Just checking. Is everything's it everything? Legal in everything's legal in Colorado. <laughs> yeah. Dakota, go. I knew you would not let us down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I read. We know your mom's there, so uh, careful. What are you drinking, buddy? Yeah, I don't have anything right now, actually. What? <laughs> yeah, I, I'll have to see what my mom has. We actually get the man a beverage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's gonna have to get some milk. Well, hey, what was that? What was the movie? I'm not where, drinking anything in particular. But. Where um, Will Ferrell was like at at home with his mom. He's like, Mom, give me a beer. Wait a minute. Way to like waste your voice right there, buddy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> hey, we forgot MJ. Maz, you forgot MJ. Oh my gosh, MJ. Hey. Uh, <laughs> back to back to kind of a basic here. I'm drinking the uh, Green Belt Northeast. 
uh, huh. regional name up here. So there you go. The Northeast. Right. Oh, there you go. I haven't had a green belt since, well, I can't say when, but anyway. Right. Hey, so Dina, <laughs> it's time yes. to go back to our guests. Why don't you do the big introductions, all right? All right. Uh, tonight, I'm excited to introduce our special guest, extreme meteorologist Reed Timmer. If you follow Storm Chasing at all, you've probably heard of him because he's a big deal in Storm Chasing. Uh, lots of things about him. He's a meteorologist, an author, and Storm Chaser, who starred on Discovery Channel's reality series, Storm Chasers. He's the one who had those uh, cool vehicles called the Dominator. Plus, if he isn't an overachiever already, Reed graduated with his Ph.D. in meteorology from Oklahoma University. Currently, he's chasing for AccuWeather. And, Reed, I've seen a lot of your stuff, your severe videos. Some of my favorite was back at the beginning of the year when we had the ice storm. They did hashtag ice storm 2017. It was incredible. But when you chase all these types of weather, I mean, you got to be on the road. Are you on the road all the time? Yeah, I'm pretty much on the road all the time now. I live out of hotels, and you know, sometimes it takes me 20 minutes to figure out where I am in the morning. <laughs> oh, uh, my I'm, gosh. I'm, I mean, most of the layouts, most hotels are similar, you know, so I can figure that out at least. But I definitely live on the road a lot more now with chasing with AccuWeather because I'm you know, chasing not only tornadoes, but also blizzards and hurricanes and lake effect events and floods, so all different kinds of storms. So. I pretty much uh, track the storms as they come in off the Rockies until they exit off the East Coast. And then that could include the warm sector or the cold side if the warm sector isn't as uh, prominent. But I I probably should be in the Ozark Mountains right now, but I'm actually on my way to AccuWeather. Then after that, we'll be up in the Northeast for the the snow threat, it looks like, this weekend and and next week. So, Living the rock star. Rock star life. Yeah, I probably drive about 100,000 miles a year, I bet, these days. Oh, my wow. God. Oh my a, lot, a, lot, a lot of it's rental cars as well. I mean, probably dozens of rental cars. I always get the they, let you, they let you rent a car? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah, I, I, tell, I tell them what I'm doing, and they usually think I'm joking. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to oh, drive this thing into a tornado, and then they all start laughing. And, uh, do, you get, do you get the insurance, hopefully? Oh, yeah. oh, okay. Always get the Definitely. insurance. Definitely. Good move. Definitely. Yeah, that's a good move. Wow. Now you have, so how you do you have, take time off then? I mean, when do you take time off? Like vacation? Uh, do you ever? Yeah, I mean, because if I was taking vacation, I'd probably be storm chasing. So it's, yeah, yeah I guess I'm a, but, you know, usually the quiet periods, I'll try to take time off or in between storm systems uh, a, a little bit. So, but yeah, not too much time off these days. I mean, especially Aww. with the yeah, spring up ahead. So, mm-hmm. all right. Yeah, you had something happen like when you were driving one time, sort of like a medical emergency. Oh, a long time. Yeah, 2014. Yeah, like the seizure or something, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was scary. That was very. Yeah, that was back. Was that three years ago? But since then, I've started to focus a lot more on my health. I think I was taking too many inorganic. Uh, fast food products and five hundred energy and, <laughs> cheese and yeah. Red Bulls. And yeah, that'll do and, it. Yeah, wow. So. so, Reed, growing up, um, when did you know you kind of wanted to be a storm chaser? And what would you give, you know, a recommendation to anyone that is thinking about going into storm chasing? Or because I know it is a little bit of a tricky field uh, with the media nowadays. You know, because you kind of have to, you kind of live off um, whatever you know, how good your stuff is. What, what kind of advice you give to someone going into the field? Well, I've always loved weather since I was about five years old and I'd always get fired up when storms would get issues. I grew up in Michigan and Grand Rapids 
And uh, I loved Lake Effect snowstorms too. Those are some of the first things I chased once I turned 16. And um, I didn't plan too far in advance. I just always loved weather. So devoted all my energy and passion toward it since day one for as long as I, I can remember. Honestly, once I got my driver's license, I realized that I didn't have to wait for the storms to come to me anymore and I could drive after them. So I, <laughs> I started storm chasing right out of the gate, which uh, I wouldn't recommend. I think that's pretty dangerous. You know, and, yeah, Especially uh, in Michigan, especially in Michigan where you, you know, there's not, there's a lot of, can be a lot of obstructions, you know? Well, oh, especially yeah, if you have reason. Ohio plates in Michigan. I know. Yeah. I was going to yeah. say it. I just decided not to. <laughs> <laughs> So I want to hear about Dominator. I think a lot of people want to hear about this vehicle. Was that your idea? Did you develop it? I mean, who, who made this for you? Well, we had always gotten close to tornadoes, and I never had much of a research budget in the past. I was always trying to you know, pay my bills and you know, barely scrape by and make ends meet. So I was selling DVDs and uh, selling footage to news media for a few hundred dollars a pop, you know, which... Uh, and then, so a, a lot of that was, and then when uh, Storm Chasers started, it, we suddenly had a research budget, uh, and that allowed us to build probes. And you know, we drop an instrument pack in the path of a tornado with a camera on it. And uh, since we were already getting close to tornadoes, and that's one thing that you know, we—it's it's kind of an art form that you have to develop over years, I think, yeah. to do yeah. to do safely. But then with the research budget, that we began deploying the stationary instrument pack. But we realized how difficult that was to get inside the tornado because the tornado will change path at the last second or it's hard to judge exactly where it's going to go. And you have to deploy it a little bit further in advance. So we figured we'd put some armor on our vehicle and then it'd be a mobile version of that. But my original plan was just to have transparent Lexan coated the vehicle because I wanted to get really close to the tornado and develop a mobile radar, short range radar that we could scan the base of it and measure the wind speeds and suction vortices of the tornadoes. So my plan was just to have armor in the vehicle to protect us from close range debris. And it was going to be transparent Lexan where you could actually see the vehicle on the inside. And then there'd be instruments for the mobile radar. And then um, a few months later, I, I went up and saw the finished product and we had to end up using metal because the Lexan was so heavy and it ended up looking exactly just like a, a vehicle that could drive into a tornado. So we figured out, <laughs> what the hell, we might as well intercept tornadoes directly. Yeah. And, uh, so that's, that's kind of how, how, how it started. And, uh, and so then that first season, I know Discovery didn't have the insurance for us to intercept, but we did it anyway. And so every time we'd intercept a tornado, oh we'd, we'd have a little conference call where we'd get, get in trouble. But secretly, they're like, oh, this is great. Keep doing it. But, you know, this, but don't do it at the same time. Bad boy. <laughs> yeah. what's, uh, what's the status of those vehicles now? Reed, are, are they still a part of your fleet or did you sell them off or? Well, the two of them, they have a lot of miles and two of them are, can't be driven. They need, need some work right now. So <laughs> we kind of we gradually ran out of those resources that we used to have with the uh, discovery days. And they're actually parked at uh, Mike Scantlin's apartment complex right now. So, <laughs> oh my God. so yeah, he's another uh, storm chaser fr- friend of mine. So he's, he's watching out for him. And Dominator three though is, is mobile. And that one's up in Saskatchewan. And uh, Sean Schofer is our, our friend up there that drives that. So we'll have that out later this year. And, uh, and, uh, but the, the, the people that uh, helped build the Dominator, one of those, um, Kevin Barton and uh, Todd Daly were uh, the people that, uh, two of the people that helped build the Dominator. And they're, we're actually working on another stationary tornado probe now. So uh, I don't really like to drive into the tornadoes anymore. I like to stay just on the outside. So. <laughs> That's a good idea. So tell tell us a little bit about that new probe. I saw you uh, tweet out some some video and um, 
what are you making there and what are you looking to accomplish? Yeah, well, it's uh, going to be a stationary probe and it has spikes on the bottom, so it'll be anchored to the ground. And um, I'm kind of just restarting, getting back into the field science again after uh, a few years of, uh, so I'm starting fresh again, uh, a fresh start. And uh, it's going to have 360 degree cameras on it and also an arm young anemometer and a pressure sensor. And uh, obviously the goal is to get it inside a suction vortex and to measure the wind speeds inside and also the pressure and to document the action of those in 360 degrees. So I think it's important to not only have the, the collected data inside the tornado, but also to have the visual aspect covered. And so the end, end result would be basically a 360 degree video where you could put on a headset and watch it and see what it's like inside the tornado and then oh, wow. have these uh, time series of the pressure as it falls inside the tornado and also other variables like the wind speed or the temperature. And I'm going to deploy, uh, we'll deploy smaller probes around the outside too that will show that, that one in action. And so, uh, but Todd Daly is uh, my friend that, that knows how to weld right now. And I think he's actually working on the probe right now if he's not watching this, but <laughs> it's, it's back in Michigan. So my plan after chasing this nor'easter up here uh, this weekend through next week in the northeast is to swing back to Michigan. And then uh, we should have more, vi or we'll install the instruments and also the carbon fiber shell on the exterior. So I'll share more videos then. So Reed, great. real quick question here. So is that going to be like a virtual reality thing? Is that something that people can plug in their headsets and actually be in the mix Ooh, with you? That would be cool. That's a moneymaker. Yeah. 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 Cool, yeah. yeah. My son has one of those things. Yeah. And I think uh, you could, uh, yeah, if you could put 360 cameras all over the inside, then maybe they could you know, bounce between the exterior of the vehicle and the inside and then to the probe once we deploy that and kind of like a cool... 360 experience but from the comfort of their own home with a headset on too and could also be a science experience as well i would pay for that oh yeah i would too yeah. that would be cool <laughs> nice. yeah. we all enjoy the number of things yeah, you puke yeah. on your own floor well, <laughs> i'll definitely post the video for free though so I, I think anyone with a headset i think you can just watch those online or uh i mean i think you just have to get the uh the headset deal i haven't yeah. tried it actually but a bunch yeah. of people at AccuWeather have have used them, and I, we shot that one in Ray, Colorado, and with a 360 mount on my car, where we got really close to it as well. And I know they've been watching those with the headsets on. So first one is free. The, every one you have to add like 25 cents a minute to keep it going, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good way to pay for gas. I, the gas prices there are about go. to skyrocket. So. Oh, yeah. Wow. So we talk about AccuWeather. Talk about like so do they kind of direct you where to go or do you get to decide where to go? Or is it kind of a mixture of both? Um, you know, is, is it, um, do you have freedom in that or is it kind of, you know, what's the relationship between uh, you and AccuWeather? Uh, I, I definitely decide where to go, but then they give their input too. And there are some times where I'm not sure where to go and I ask them to tell me, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. where to go. Like maybe what's you know, more important. Do they want me to cover the, you know, the Oroville dam, you know, and, uh, or should I wait for the nor'easter or do they want me to cover the warm sector tornado threat in Dixie Alley and you know if I inside am leaning toward wanting to chase a tornado threat then I won't ask I'll just show up in Dixie Alley and then <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we have a, it's a, a really good relationship I think in that and if they want me to chase more they'll just say can you be a little more aggressive you know and they always know that you know I know which will be the bigger impact events I think and uh, which ones would you know need more coverage? Like in Dixie Alley at night, you know, I think they need storm spotters out there. So I almost feel an obligation to yeah. you know, storm yeah. chase those events mm -hmm. a lot of times. Oh, so okay. how many people do you go storm chasing with? Do you have a team? 
I just go by myself now. Like for the last two or three years, uh, I've gone more by myself. Sometimes I'll go with other people or, uh, you know, like um, if Sean, you know, in the Dominator, I'll meet up with him sometimes or uh, Maria, you know, I went with her a lot, but she's busy with school now so much too. But I like, I prefer going by myself. I kind of like that uh, kind of just uh, you versus the storm kind of thing or <laughs> experiencing nature a little bit. And uh-huh. you know, there's nothing there like chasing at night, you know, with a 50 mile hour tornado wow. moving at you, you know, with yeah. you know, a lot of lightning flashes. And, yeah. Yeah, but I, I think I have to multitask to a fault. I think I've got one yeah. of those disorders. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here's the question for you. I know you've chased all kinds of weather. So what's on your bucket list? I mean, what is what is it that you haven't seen that you want to experience? Uh, definitely as many tornadoes as possible because every single one <laughs> is different, too, and a new, unique okay. experience. So I think uh, I have to experience those over and over and over again, of course, and a water spout was a, an elusive one that I've been really trying to see for years. And then finally saw one this year, ironically, during a lake effect snow event. So I was trying oh, to target no, them. Uh, in the oh, how cool. About Lake Erie during a lake effect snow warning uh, in November. I was driving along inter, the inter, uh, New York Thruway uh, near Westville. I looked mm-hmm. to the right and saw a wall cloud and it. it was playing tricks in my mind. I was like, there's no way that's a wall cloud about to happen. And it started to get smoother, more laminar than... You know, I hit the gas, you know, accelerated, obviously, what's the next break in the trees? And it was a persistent funnel and then turned into this cone uh, water spout thing. But uh, I also like to experience maybe some ocean effect in uh, snow in northern Japan, I think. And maybe, oh, wow. Uh, wow. Chase, uh, chase more of the pampas of Argentina. I went down there in 2009 to chase, but we didn't quite see a tornado. And I know they get big tornadoes down there. So I'd like to yeah. go back okay. down there as well. So. Cool. So if you chase by yourself and you chuck a whiskey bottle directly into the tornado without it falling, there's no one to videotape for you. <laughs> yeah, I can shoot myself. That's what I do most of the time. <laughs> myself in front of the tornado, you know. So I can... awesome. Twister, problem. Twister number one. Wow. <laughs> uh, hey, Dakota. Though, yeah. Dakota, hey, you're there too. You got a question for Reed? Yeah, I guess, you know, we we always see when you uh, when you get the the big moment when you when you succeed and and you're in the right spot at the right time. I I want to hear about some of the times where you just something went wrong and uh, and it was a dire s- circumstance, uh, but you pushed through it and I don't know that I mean it's all it's all part of it. So I'm just curious if you could tell us about a story where you kind of pushed through and and persisted. Yeah, well, one thing I've always said is uh, what to find the storm chaser, not the number of tornadoes they see, but the number of busts that they can go through. I think the longer <laughs> thing is yeah. just a natural part. And one thing about storm chasing is you have to get good at dealing with failure, I think, and uh, coping with it because it happens so often. It's it's almost like poker, you know, or if you get pocket rockets, you know, you're not guaranteed to win all the time. You know, you can get beaten by 7-2 or worse, or maybe you know, even if you make all the right decisions, storm chasing and put yourself in the perfect spot on what the storm that looks like it's moving into the best environment. It doesn't always mean you're going to see a tornado a lot. In fact, most of the time you still won't. And there have been times where I've driven like 35 straight hours all the way up to central Alberta and didn't even see a storm or actually oh worse. Uh, oh I drove all gosh. the way 35 straight hours to Alberta. And then I got a $450 speeding ticket. Uh, oh. Oh, oh man. Why, well, yeah. how fast do you have to be going to get a <laughs> $50. I, tr- I tried to play the thing. I was like, oh, I didn't know that it was kilometers per hour, but that doesn't work out. It's actually the other, other way. It's yeah, right, right. But this guy came out and had tattoos on his forearms and 
he said he could have impounded my vehicle, but I didn't see anything, a car for, you know, that's really flat out there. You can see for 40, 50 miles, it mm. seems like. And or I didn't see a vehicle as, for as long as I could see it. I was driving a Prius, a rental Prius. And uh, there was a tornado warning that was about 15 oh miles from me. And I, I thought I was going like 50 miles an hour, but then I looked down and realized I was going a lot faster than that. And then <laughs> I pulled over, but I missed the tornado that day. And then missed the tornado the next day too, because I was too far Northwest and then drove all the way back, back home. And I think just surviving that bus and still storm chasing oh, after it is gosh. an example of overcoming failure. Were, I think. So you were drag racing in a Prius. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Giddy up. Now, uh, now, can you write that off? Can you write that off? Is that a tax deduct? I mean, can you write that off in your taxes as a loss? I didn't even try. I just tried try to move. Yeah, I, I bet you probably <laughs> yeah, could. Yeah. That I wonder. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Somebody may be listening right yeah, now. Right, yeah. <laughs> IRS is live. Yeah, exactly. So, Reed, I got a question for you. So, I'm planning on going storm chasing in May, and I noticed you had your mom in the background um, when we began the show. How did you convince her to let you go? Like that, <laughs> I, I, I'm having the toughest time. Brady, say I'm a man. I know. I'm, I'm just saying, it's hard. It's, you know, it's hard. So how do you, hey, how do you convince her? Yeah, comes. yeah, so uh, she 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 hadn't gone storm chasing for years. So I'd obviously been storm chasing for almost 20 years. And I was finally graduating after 17 years of continuous enrollment at the University of Oklahoma. So I graduated <laughs> 2015. And then um, my mom was flying in and she didn't know, but there was a storm chasing set up in Northwest Texas. So we picked her up and I said, we're going storm chasing. And she said, no, you're not. Take me to the hotel. And then, <laughs> she didn't have a choice. So then we went in Northwest Texas. And just by chance, there was a multiple vortex wedge coming at us from the south. And uh, you're right. Oh, my gosh. You didn't sneak out, the, sneak wow. out the hotel window or anything like yeah. that? <laughs> Here, you can, you can hear the mic. So, yeah, mom, I'm going my to study at my friend's house. <laughs> yeah, so this is her first uh, first tornado experience. So uh, wow. tell them what it was like. Um, I don't even – I can't even begin to describe it. It was the most frightening thing that I've ever experienced, the noise. <laughs> wow. Um, Debris flying by, and and the car was shimmying on the road. Oh um, yeah, it wasn't That's anything crazy. I want to repeat. So, how did Reed convince you to let him go when he was younger? Like, how did how did he? Yeah. What did he do? Did he buy you flowers? Did he get you chocolates? Like, how did that? How did that work? <laughs> I, oh, how did I convince her to let me go storm chasing? Yeah, I, yeah. Um, I just he, went. He just went. He just went. <laughs> okay, Brady, just go, just go, man. I'm going to be in the doghouse, but I, it doesn't matter. I'm going for it. <laughs> yeah, she didn't like the uh, hurricanes. Like Hurricane Katrina, <laughs> we had an experience down there. It involved a rusty dump truck and um, a high-speed chase of that. And then we were without cell phone communication for a few days. So my mom filed a missing persons report. So she was oh, worried about oh, that. Oh, wow. She doesn't oh, mind the tornadoes gosh. as much. No, the yeah. hurricanes are worse. Because yeah. she knows I know what I'm doing. I know I'm doing around the tornadoes, but crossing the side, yeah. crossing the street, you know, is a different thing. But chasing tornadoes, I feel a little more comfortable than. Yeah. <laughs> well, not everybody's trying to leave at the same time for a tornado. Yeah, I said not everybody's trying. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people are evacuating for the hurricanes, mm-hmm. and you're immersed in the conditions too. The storm surge, the yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, you know, once you're there, you're you're you kind of it's a different 
You're stuck. way of chasing it than tornadoes, I think. So did you ever tell your mom, hey, mom, I'm going to go out with my friends for a week? <laughs> We're well, just I, was studying. To look. I, I didn't go through puberty until I was about 26. So I was trying to look at that. And, uh, I got to the sex. I breeze, you know. And so I, I did sneak out, but it was to chase lake effect snowstorms, not to, not to socialize. Oh, not right. to socialize. Oh. That it's came in my 17 years of college, though. Continuous. Got to be a record. Yep. All right. Well, uh, we, before we get you in any more trouble with your mom, hey, Reed, how can your listeners follow you on social media? How can our listeners? Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can follow me at Reed Timmer Accu, uh, A-C-C-U, uh, on Twitter and Facebook. So I post on there all the time. Uh, they can you can follow me on there. Yeah, you have great videos. It's a, you're a great follow. All right. Well, it's uh, we'll go ahead. We're gonna we're gonna go ahead and uh, jump to our lightning round. Uh, so our lightning round is our kind of a speed round. It's not really much of a speed round anymore, but it's it's really a round of fun questions for our guests. And tonight, Reed, my understanding is you are a, a closet entomologist in in a former life. Is that correct? Yeah, I collected insects all the way until I was like 16 at least. And then I caught an Eastern Hercules beetle, and that was it. That was the grand finale. Did you give it to your mom? What's that? <laughs> give that big bug to your mom. I also like to catch snakes, so she wouldn't let me keep those in there. Oh. 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 Yeah, you started collecting snakes, and next thing you know, your bug collection disappeared. Where the hell was that? <laughs> so, here, so here's what we're going to do, uh, Reed. Tonight we are playing our version of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. I do. And so what we're going to do is I've got five questions. All right, they're multiple choice questions. There's uh, four multiple answers to each. And, of course, you've okay. got your lifelines. So if you know the lifelines – if you're not sure, you got 50-50, so I'll take two of the answers away for you. There's mm-hmm. Ask a Freak, so you can pick any of the freaks. You can pick Brady, you can pick Dakota, uh, you can pick Dina or Kim or Maz. Um, okay. And, and ask them for help. And the third one is Pull the Freaks. So we'll ask all of them, and, and then you can just figure out what uh, from there. Does that sound good? Awesome. Yeah, sounds like fun. All right, and everybody at home can, can play along with us as well. So okay. here we go. Who wants to be a millionaire? So these are all questions that have to do with uh, insects, all right? Question number one, which of these is not a type of ant? A, fire ant. B, carpenter ant. C, pharaoh ant. Or D Elvis ant. Which of these is not? And normally the easier questions are at the beginning, uh, right? Yeah, I was the first. <laughs> it's a uh, so it's A fire ant, B carpenter ant, C pharaoh ant, or D Elvis ant. Which is not a type of ant. I'm guessing C. I'll go with C on that one. Pharaoh ant. Yeah. Is that your final, final answer? Final answer. Uh, unfortunately, that is not correct. 
That's deep. Uh, there is a pharaoh ant. It is D. Elvis ant. Elvis. Um, <laughs> uh, those ants have a little less conversation and, and wear their blue suede shoes. All the time. <laughs> 20 years out of uh, the game, too. All right. So, yeah, we're not starting off well here, but here we go. We got four more. So we're okay. The King next, Tut ant. Next question. <laughs> what, what insect kills the most humans each year? Ooh. Is it A, oh, black one. widow spiders? Mm. Is it B, mosquitoes? Is it C, scorpions? Or D, assassin bugs? B. Mosquitoes? Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Good one. Good one. Very nice. Good. Good. All right. Question three. What insect is, mo- is more aggressive to sting? Is it A, the bee? Is it B, a hornet? Is it C, a yellow jacket? Or D, a wasp? What insect Mm -hmm. is more aggressive to sting? Yellow jacket. Final answer. Oh. 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 Really? It is the the hornet. Oh. The hornet. I thought the ones coming out of the ground. Especially if you run over those of the lawnmower. Oh God! <laughs> I, think, I think if you run over any with a lawnmower, they're gonna. They're gonna all right, all right. So, so you're you're uh, you're one for three here, and you still have all three of your lifelines, and we're getting into the last two questions. They're getting harder. So, uh, question four: What's a good way to differentiate between a moth and a butterfly? Is it a the color of their wings? B their flying speed? C, the shape of their antenna, or D, their eyes? C. <laughs> final answer. C, is that your final answer? The shape of their antenna. Oh, oh my gosh. I would have said color. That's what I thought. I don't want to look into their eyes. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, the, moths have, uh, the butterflies have a little lobe uh, at the end of the antenna. Like the oh. little button thing, and then the Aww. moths are That's either so lines or they're like their feathers. Learn something new every day. Depending on if they're male or That's smart, guy. Very good. All right. Last question. Question five. All three of your lifelines are still available. See, you can tell why this guy chases alone. He does everything alone, doesn't he? I think he's smart too, so I don't need any of the lifelines that have heard him at this point. A little much of large doses, even for myself. Okay, all right, question five, last question. What is the rarest insect in the world? Is it A, the land lobster, B, the harvester ant, C, the southern giant darner, or D, the water borman? What is the my lifelines. All right, what are you going to do? You got 50-50, ask a freak or pull the freaks. Can't he use them all? I can use both. <laughs> all the last one, right? <laughs> Name those Number again, one? though, Phil. Name those yeah. again. All right, so you're, you're going to pull the freaks. Is that what you're uh, saying? Uh, I'll, I'll first uh, ask, ask one, and then I'll pull. Okay, ask one. So who are you going to ask? Uh... I mean, if you, you, whoever you pull, you're going to, okay. I'll ask Dakota. Get he looks like a fellow into my All right, Dakota. <laughs> what is, what is the rarest insect in the world? Is it A, the land lobster, B, the harvester ant, C, southern giant darner, or D, the water borman? What do you think? I'm going to go with A, land lobster, because I, I don't know. It's oh, A lobster on land seems pretty rare, so. You followed up with a percentage of certainty? <laughs> um, Pretty low. I, I, I'll give you twenty-five percent. 
It's not bad. All right. Well, it's one out of four. Yeah, so, yeah. It's, exactly. not it's not bad. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad. Oh, Reed, what do you please. think? What do you think? You're going to what? I can pull everybody now, right? All right, so we're going to pull everybody. So you got Dakota's answer. Brady, What's what's what do you think? You know, I like lobster a lot, so I'm going to go with a land lobster. All I right, so he's think... land lobster, Dina. Yeah. Um, tell me C again. Uh, think... So it's uh, land lobster, harvester ant, southern giant darner, and water borman. I'm going to go with C just because I've never heard of it. Southern giant darner. Yeah. Okay, Kim? <laughs> I'm going to go with C for that reason as well. I never heard of it. Okay, so we're oh, two we and made two. It hard for him. Maz, Maz, you're the, Maz, what do you think? Yeah, I'm going to go with Land Shark. <laughs> land land lobster. No, no. I've heard of Land Shark. I've never heard of Land Lobster. So actually, I'm going to say okay. Land Lobster. Okay, MJ, do you got, do you got an opinion? I, I, I'd go Land Lobster myself. All right, mm. so there you go, Reed. What do you Maybe think? Maybe it's Rock Lobster. It sounds no. like Land Lobster, right? Is do that it. your final answer? I'll go Land, Lob- land Lobster. Final answer? Yeah. What's that? Mommy. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that was the best. Best. Oh. It is. My mom's a science expert. Very, very nice. good. Well, you finished strong, my friend. Well done. <laughs> so anyway, thanks. Uh, thanks for having fun with us on that read. Hey, a, a shout out, by the way, to all of our storm chasing fans. Whether you happen to be an armchair chaser or you like heading out to the storms, severestreaming.com by Severe Studios is your resource for live streaming. Uh, These guys were the first to offer pro streaming accounts to storm chasers, and they also offered uh, free viewership to the public. But today, they now have over 1,000 storm chasers that have signed up with severestreaming.com to broadcast severe weather live in the field. So if you like to watch live streaming of storms, or if you'd like to sell your own storm video uh, to TV stations, think about this before you give it away. Uh, check out severestreaming.com. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. Uh, our podcast listeners will hear the first edition of our new Titans U Minute with Chris Sanner, uh, featuring storm chasing tips. And our raw viewers, if you're watching us right now, you're going to see us unedited behind the scenes. But don't leave because we're going to be right back uh, with Reed and the team to discuss why, why in the movie Twister was Jonas Miller the bad guy for being, quote, in it for the money. That's right. We'll be right back. And now it's time for the Titan U Minute with Chris Satter. Today we're going to be talking about your best friend or worst enemy as a storm chaser, the cap. You've heard the term hot air rises in science class. When it comes to how the atmosphere works, that's probably the best way to describe storm formation in a simplistic sense. As the sun heats the surface, air will begin to rise. Typically, air temperatures also fall as a heated air parcel rises through the atmosphere. So even though an air parcel will also be cooling as it rises, it will typically still be surrounded by air cooler and more dense than it is. Because of this, air parcels can rise through the atmosphere, condense, and form into thunderstorms. But some days, that heated air parcel meets a layer of air that is both warm and dry, known as the cap. The cap essentially puts a giant emergency brake on an air parcel rising through the atmosphere. Because the heated air parcel meets air that is warmer than it is, it quits rising. 
Because of this, storms don't form. To break the cap, one of two things have to happen. Either the cap has to cool, or the air rising into it has to warm up sufficiently to break through and form storms. Too strong of a cap and storms won't form. For the most severe weather, you want some capping, but not enough to keep storms from forming altogether. This allows the strongest storms to maintain themselves, while their weaker ones die off. So in reality, the cap is both your worst enemy and best friend. In that sense, it's the storm chaser's greatest frenemy. To catch more storm chasing tips, be sure to check out Tornado Titans and Titan U on the web at tornadotitans.com and follow us on social media. Simply search for Tornado Titans and you'll find us. We'll see you next time. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into our topic of discussion tonight. Um, my Barry White voice is really getting nice and low. Nice. And edgy. We like it, and we like it. So, hey, so a lot of you, you all remember that scene in Twister when the late Bill Paxton's character, Bill Harding, introduces us to Jonas Miller. So he was the bad guy, right? He was the guy that, quote, went out and got corporate sponsors and is in it for the money, not the science, unquote. So tell me, I guess, why does it seem people in the weather uh, and academic and service industry don't seem to get along with, with people in the business industry? And I'll, I'll share uh, one article from CNBC. Uh, it was called Weather Services Become a Big Business. And there are two things I wanted to bring up in the article. Number one, it said the National Weather Service issues data to support the entire economy and quote, we have a laser-like focus on public safety, said Edward Johnson, the director of National Weather Service Strategic Planning. But quote, he said, we don't believe it's our job to provide packaged information for an individual manufacturer. Well, the article went on to also say it said, while only government has the means to build and operate a vast weather infrastructure of satellites and radar, uh, Weather Bank CEO Steve Root says, there are things that private industry does that it can do faster, quicker, sweeter, and better than the government. The North American weather enterprise produces content unrivaled elsewhere in the world. So, guys, what what's the issue between weather for science and weather for business? Money. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, money and also competition, I think, um, you know, between – the people doing it for research and the people doing it, you know, for business, I think to some degree they're competing against each other. And I think to some degree, especially now, you know, you see with, you know, the new administration, they're reducing funding for NOAA. And part of the reason, you know, why that's happening sort of is because, you know, there might be not saying there is, there definitely, you know, isn't, but there might be other alternatives that are out there. And so that's mm -hmm. why, they don't like that because it's it's competition. Um, and also at the same time, too, on the other side of the coin, you know, sometimes these, you know, these are businesses. They're bought, they have to meet their bottom line. So public safety isn't their number one. And mm -hmm. so at the same time, that's, you know, the other side of the coin as well. Well, say you're an electric company and you've got somebody, you've got meteorologists on staff who could tell you when there's a big storm coming. So you can mobilize your people 
you can have them ready. You can have supplies ready. So when power lines go down, man, people are out there immediately to get power back up. They don't care about something going on in the other side of the country. They want just what they want to know. They want it packaged exactly to people who don't know weather that says, this is what's going to happen. You must do this and you must do that. That's all they really want to know. And it yeah. saves them millions of dollars. And I think the weather service too issues the warnings by, by a county and uh, the watches known the, the large uh, polygons. But many times maybe a company would want to know if there's a tornado within 100 miles or a tornado within 50 miles. And I think the private sector uh, is able to take the National Weather Service data and the forecast and repackage that into a forecast that may be tailored for certain uh, industries and that aren't maybe not tailored specifically for the safety of certain individuals, but maybe the safety of uh, whole companies or shipping lanes or railroads. And maybe they just need to know uh, different parameters or, or, yeah. or different types of data. So. Yeah. Reed, and I think, and I think you make a good point, Reed, because I feel like, you know, for the two industries really to have the impact that they want and to, you know, save, do the most good for the public, I think they need to get along because, you know, just like you said, if the private industries aren't using the National Weather Service, you know, they're an unbelievable amount of data that they, you know, can gather based, you know, because of their resources, then what, you know, what data are they using? So I think, you know, that divide that it does exist, I think, you know, we got to try and work to bridge the gap and, and it already is happening in some extents, but we need to continue, you know, getting these two sides to come together. Yeah, and there's also a gap, too, in the storm chasing um, industry as well. And between that and academics and maybe even the media as well, and also with emergency managers especially. And uh, more recently, you know, there were issues with uh, between storm chasers, and, and they're, they're not always looked at in a positive light. Many are complaining about the numbers of storm chasers out there, but... I do think it's important to focus on the positive as well, because the more storm chasers that are out there, it's almost impossible for a tornado to happen and go unreported uh, these days. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the most important part is that the people in the path of these storms are getting warned when the tornadoes touch down. Everybody knows that they're in progress through social media and live streams and everything. But I agree, if everybody got along, that'd be the best part. And we also need to realize that everybody has to pay bills and that they have expenses and everybody needs resources to storm chase and gas is expensive hotels are expensive and you know there are people that are doing it for science but they may have grants or research and if they lost those you know and had to fund their research by selling footage to different news outlets for two hundred dollars a pop then you know they might understand the other side a little more and uh, i think that it's important to know that everybody does need resources to do things and so to not look negatively on uh, people if they are if their goal is to is to make money initially you know, they may have to survive. You, know, you don't know. Everybody has different financial situations. and uh, mm -hmm. But I agree that everybody working together is, uh, it'd be awesome if um, all storm chasers and all researchers and everybody were fully funded and the sky would be the limit for research. But I think everybody working together definitely would create the, the best end result mm -hmm. for research and the warning process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, You know, it's I'm only a matter of time before Vegas gets involved and you have <laughs> a probability of a tornado with a certain yeah. period, you know, <laughs> 10 oh, miles, yeah. 20 miles. Does <laughs> that sound? Just say it. No, Maz, I, think you have gambling, I think you have a gambling problem, Maz. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to jump in there. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead to cut it. Yeah, so, you know, I think there there is a point of contention here, but I think reasonable, pe reasonable people on each end of the spectrum realize that, that, you need each other in this industry to to best 
educate the public, best warn the public, and best uh, protect lives and property. And I think it's uh, the times where it becomes contentious is when someone kind of steps out of line, per se. Um, one big area of contention is when there's like a big, a big storm on the horizon, like six or seven days out, and someone's hyping it so that they get clicks. Um, yep. that, that's, that's an area where like, you know, you can probably say you shouldn't be doing that because our models aren't good enough to have the exact inch amount of snow for one location. Um, but, and that's just one example. There are other examples, but I, I think for the most part, people do recognize that this harmony needs to exist. And uh, what I, I was at the AMS conference in January, uh, American Meteorological Society conference in Seattle. And you go there and it's a big party. Everyone's talking, everyone's having a good time. Um, mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, I think while there is some contention, I think there. They're definitely, it's definitely recognized that uh, we all got to get along. What I know you just, Dakota, you guys on, on Weather Junkies just had the uh, director of the National Weather Service on. Was there any, was that brought up at all as far as um, how they're trying to advance and, and if businesses are helping to push them or if it's creating contention? We actually didn't. Uh, no, not really. I mean, we the one thing we did talk about was how the National Weather Service is weeding through uh, in this day and age when there's so much information being pushed out. And, you know, not all of it is good information. Um, he mentioned how they're trying to improve their communications uh, by revamping their website. Um, they're, they're going through the hazard, hazard uh, simplification project where they're trying to uh, reduce the amount of colors uh, in their watches and warnings and reduce the amount of warnings, um, that they, they have in general. Uh, so uh, that was the only part we touched on was, was kind of weeding through some of the bad information, uh, while also recognizing there is a lot of good information that's not national weather service, that's AccuWeather or weather channel, um, for instance. Yeah. I just wonder, I just wonder how many people that are not meteorologists are involved in business really use national weather service data though. You know, I mean, is it, I like the idea of competition, but, you know, some who clicks on their websites besides meteorologists who kind of want a good, good feel for what's going on? I mean, any, anybody have lot, any thoughts on that? I bet a lot of people use that, that data. A lot of companies probably are using that data and maybe aren't even aware of it. I think that, you know, the National Weather Service data obviously bases almost all the, uh, most of the private weather products out there, I think it, after they repack, of course they would repackage it, but in terms of the radar, the right. satellite, the forecast model data, and then a lot of times those are, you know, there are different graphics packages that can make the models look, look different. But I think that they definitely need each other. And without the National Weather Service, we'd have big problems, obviously. Oh, I need it as a base. Yeah. Absolutely. Definitely. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. The best weather service out there. And uh, I've storm chased a lot in Canada over the years as well. And, you know, you could, it's just a, we're very blessed, I think, to have the uh, the, the, ra- the amazing radar, the high-res radar, these models, like now they have the HRRR, what the four-kilometer and three-kilometer NAM, and they're, you know, those tools that I think are great for storm chasers and everybody to look and to have access to that, you know, whether a company or a, a user, I think is awesome, too. So what, what are your guys' thoughts on um, companies and now even television stations that again, trying to have the edge, you know, and Maz, you've talked about this too in the past, but TV stations trying to have the edge and trying to uh, get a, do a better job of pinpointing 
severe thunderstorm uh, warnings or tornado warnings and getting more specific than the NWS polygons that they're, they're basically now issuing their own alerts or warnings. Um, what do you think about that? Uh, pluses and minuses. Well, you're already starting to see that with weather apps. Every station is getting their own apps. So some of them are broadcasting on their app even before the newscast comes on to get an edge over the competition. So at one point in time, is there no longer a need for the actual broadcast? Yeah. And I I think, too, it comes down to, you know, who is really behind these warnings? Like, if you have an experienced television meteorologist that, you know, has been doing it for, you know, years in the same area and Mm -hmm. has a really good feel on the radar, um, I think that can be okay. I think they it, it can get confusing when they start putting out their own warnings. I think, you know, where they have a huge advantage is in, you know, showing the radar and getting in-depth on the neighborhood that the tornado is in. I think that's right. huge value they can mm-hmm. add to the customer. And also, you know, that's one of those cooperation pieces mm-hmm. that the National Weather Service necessarily can't do. You know, having said that, though, if you get the, you know, a guy – with the wrong experience with maybe only a year, you know, he's just out of college and he's put in that situation, which can happen at a smaller TV station. I think that can be actually, you know, very dangerous because he's, you know, might not be the most experienced and he might, you know, be putting, you know, his own polygon in areas that really shouldn't have that polygon. And I think that can do a lot of harm. So that's where I don't necessarily think, you know, that they should be putting out their own warning. So I think it really comes down to the person behind you know, the screen or the person that's issuing these warnings. Brady, have you done that yet? (laughs) No, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. It almost seems like you just want to add on to the warning from the National Weather Service because you can have a warning in a certain county and then you pick it up from there. You zoom in with the radar. You get the Mm -hmm. tight high-res radar. You show where the hook is. You show, like the National Weather Service, Mm -hmm. will tell you the direction and the speed. So you time it out show what neighborhood it's going to hit next. So it's all, I mean, there's where you got to really work together because the National Weather Service, they're covering the whole country. I mean, granted, you have regional offices, but they're not going to get down to the county and start showing you, you know, where it's going. They're just going to give you the basics. This is the direction. This is the speed. Mm -hmm. Now you have your on-camera person go and explain it. Tell them what the impacts are. Okay, yeah, it's coming to my neighborhood in 10 minutes, but what right. what am I going to expect in 10 minutes? Well, I mean, there are times like when you're looking at the radar, you're on the air, you've got it right in front of you, and you're watching the new scan come in, and you see all of a sudden there's a couplet. Well, you could talk about this, say, oh, my, you know, wow, we're seeing this right here. We maybe have a circulation. And, you know, five minutes later, then you get a tornado warning. So yeah, definitely, you know, if if you know what you're talking about, I agree, Brady, that there's no reason why you couldn't suggest a warning or say, you know, there's going to be a tornado developing because you're, mm-hmm. you're seeing it instantaneously more. You're quicker than when the national weather service is getting that warning out. Yeah. And at yeah. the same time too, I think you can use your experience to say, you know, maybe there isn't necessarily, I think you have to be really careful about saying like there's a tornado on the ground or, you know, I think if there was, you know, cause in Ohio, we have a bunch of squall lines that come through that, you know, they might issue a tornado warning for it. And it turns out to be a false alarm. And I think not that you should say, hey, this is probably a false alarm, but you should say, hey, we don't necessarily know there, you know, we haven't seen a tornado on the ground. Um, it's not confirmed yet. You, because, you know, I talked to my, I was talking to my aunt the other day. She's like, yeah, when a tornado warning 
you know, happens in Ohio, I don't even pay attention to it because we never get one. So I think it's very important to have that, once again, person that knows what they're talking about and that can yeah. add that value that mm-hmm. really, you know, builds up that kind of trust behind the scenes. Tell, tell her we just had one last week, by the way. <laughs> I will. Mile, she doesn't believe me. No, she, yeah. Oh, God. Uh-uh. She doesn't believe me. Uh, all right. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, listeners and viewers, we always want you guys to, to tell us what you think. You can send us an email with your comments to questions at stormfrontfreaks.com. And uh, we'll share some of those on the next show. So have you been out chasing or spotting storms and had people looking at you wondering what you were doing? Reed, you've probably had that a few times, right? <laughs> you, you feel a little naked. Well, feel naked no more because Severe <laughs> Weather Center and weatherproshop.com literally have you covered with a stylish sky-worn clothing line of performance material shirts and OGO flex-fitted caps. They all sport the, um, the cool Skyworn logo. Or better yet, let weatherproshop.com do the heavy lifting for your chase team or your spotter organization with custom apparel and photo IDs. Hmm. So show the world hmm. you're on official business. And don't get caught hmm. near a storm without weatherproshop.com's NOAA-derived quick reference and training guides for both spotters and net controllers. You can see it all at weatherproshop.com. Wait, was that a was that just a commercial? Uh, <laughs> that sounds like some sweet weather swag. I'm going to have to go there. Right check after it show. out. They got, they got some cool <laughs> stuff. So we're we're going to go ahead and take our final quick break so our listeners can hear Brady's Storm School. Uh, the rest of you watching can refill your drinks. And when we come back, it's time for Weather Fools and WX Resources. This is Storm School, where together we'll take an in-depth look into certain weather phenomenon, why they happen, where they happen, what causes them. Some topics we'll cover with things you might have never heard before or things you've heard a lot. Welcome to Storm School. Class is in session. Hello once again guys, I'm Brady and on this week's episode of Storm School we're going to talk about the difference between astronomical spring and meteorological spring, exactly why there are two different dates. You know, why would you even, Why? What, how does that make any sense to say spring begins on this day but then the other spring, my spring, you know, astronomical spring begins on this day. I'll go over why there is that difference. And then I'm going to talk about severe weather season. Um, it's starting to ramp up, actually, a little bit more than normal. We've had a couple of outbreaks the past couple of weeks, even here in Ohio. So I'll talk about that and get into some of the specifics for um, severe weather season. But for now, let's start off and talk about so astronomical seasons. What are they based on? Well, they're based on the orbit of the Earth around the sun and the tilt of the Earth um, towards the sun. And... You know, they're based on basically the equinoxes so, and, and also the solstices. So the summer solstice occurs on June 21st. That's the first official day of summer in astronomical terms. The first official day of winter, or the first official day of spring is March 21st. Um, so that's, we haven't even gotten there yet. So some of you might have seen that the, um, on the news, you know, spring has begun. Well, astronomical spring hasn't begun. Meteorological spring has. Meteorological spring starts on 
March 1st, and it lasts for 90 days, about, you know, anywhere from 90 to 92 days, depending on if it's a leap year or not. But that goes from March, April to May, and then meteorological summer starts in June. And the reason why they have these differences between astronomical and meteorological, so astronomical was the system, um, the calendar system they used a while ago, um, before meteorologists, you know, use temperature averages all the time to compare to our normal uh, values. So when, you know, meteorology began to grow and climatology began to grow, um, meteorologists and climatologists alike both said it's time to make meteorological summer, which makes it much, much easier easier and more efficient to calculate averages on a yearly basis because it it will begin and end in correct time frames um so that's the reason for that now let's get into the severe weather season so when does it begin well you know in the deep south you can get severe weather even you know through you know it's very rare but through december january and february you can get sporadic outbreaks especially towards february um, it, it, you know, that, that's, it pretty much is restricted to the deep South, even though you can get rare events like that moderate risk in Indiana and Illinois a couple of weeks ago in February, actually in late February, it usually doesn't happen. So we really don't say severe weather season begins in those areas until March say. So it's centered around Oklahoma, Alabama, Georgia in February. Then as you get into the March, it expands, it continues to stay in those areas, but it also expands north and eastward towards places like Illinois, Indiana, um, even parts of Ohio as you get into late March. And then as you go into April, it expands even more. You know, it's, it's once again centered in Oklahoma and northern Texas. That's the center. That's really the heart of the severe weather season. Um, but other places like Ohio, like Wisconsin, are starting to get into the mix in terms of beginning their severe weather season. By the time May rolls around, um, you know, that, that bullseye, there's actually a really cool video that I'm going to post, um, but that bullseye of severe weather shifts north and continues shifting north through June and July until it's actually, you know, there's a couple of bullseyes. One's in Ohio and Illinois. That's mainly strong winds. And then another bullseye is in the upper portions of the Midwest into the Dakotas, into Iowa, into Minnesota, into Wisconsin, where you get a lot of straight line events that come through. So that's really the heart of their severe, severe weather season is June, July, even in the early parts of the August. And then the East Coast as well, their main severe weather season is June and July, even in the parts of August, um, as you really get the heat to crank up. Um, but that's kind of you know a basic idea of where and when severe weather season begins. Uh, the video does a lot better job than I did of explaining exactly where exa um, these severe weather events will happen and the frequency um, and what exactly what time of year. So uh, thanks for joining me today. Let's get back to the podcast. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the podcast. Now we're going to get into everyone's favorite part of the show, Weather Fools, where we go into some people that may have not that may have done some sort of silly or not really smart things when it comes to weather. Um, some of our videos, some of it is um, just some stories about someone we know or someone we saw on TV. Uh, we'll have everything in the show notes afterwards, but Dakota. What is your weather fool this week? So I'm uh, I'm kind of hijacking the weather fool thing here because mine's actually a climate fool. It is the okay. the head of the EPA, Scott Pruitt. Uh, today said that CO2 is not a primary driver of climate, which mm. blows my mind because mm. I, I, I 
Yeah, I TA, <laughs> I TA a 100-level climate change class, uh, Colorado State. And the, the undergrads in that class know that CO2 is a primary driver of climate in the past mm. and, and currently. Um, so, and this guy, you know, is, is in charge of protecting our, our air, our land, our water. And it blows my mind and kind of upsets me. So uh, that's, my, well, have, that's my climate fool. Must not have taken that class, huh, Dakota? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Dina, what's your, what's your weather fool this week? Okay, I'm going to share my screen. There we go. All right, so this is how you get snow off your car. Um, it's called um, base snow removal. So this is when you have your stereo up so loud with the base that the snow comes no. off your car. Now, now, there's a part of this what? where I thought he was genius, but it's when you see the end, you'll see that it's a weather fool. Because as you watch this video, he gets the um, snow all over the car, but he turns the base up, and then all of a sudden it's like, boom. Oh, my gosh. Oh, look at that. (laughs) And and if you look at this video, you have to watch this video. You see, like, the hatchback. It's just shaking. Like, it's not even solid anymore. But what I thought, oh, my God, this was so funny because here – but then he's got a kid in there. Oh, no. That's why he's a weather oh, no. The kid's going to go deaf. Oh, oh my, my God. Gosh. So that's why I thought it's a weather fool. First, I thought it was genius. And I'm like, nah, weather fool. Yeah. I agree. That's a mom. I agree. I, you know, I'm a mom. Dina, now that I saw that, I'm definitely going to have to try that. Although I don't think I'll get a chance in Ohio. I, I, you never know, especially with what's coming. But that was great. Yeah. If it was All the right. 70s, like some, a little bit of, yeah. Yeah, bit. but I'll be out, I'll be tonight maybe, but then I'll be out of town by the time Tuesday rolls around. So. Okay. But anyway, so uh, my weatherful this week. So you guys may have seen the new trailer that just came out for Geostorm. Now, as exciting as it does look, oh, it, no. it it it. Th- let me just show you this trailer. It's basically a souped-up version of the day after tomorrow. Yeah. But this time oh, we're controlling gosh. the weather. So it, oh, that was the wrong trailer. Oh, wait, no, that's we the right We control trailer. the weather? Is that what you wow. said? No. So basically, yeah. So basically we have like these satellites that we're controlling the weather and making everything like California weather, basically, you know, and then something goes wrong. And then all of a sudden these massive tornadoes, hurricanes, mega storms, just, just tear everything up. Wow. Go to the, yeah, okay. there we go. Wall so, war, basically so taking cloud seeding to a whole new level. Yeah, you know, hundred foot wall of water just destroying awesome. buildings, crows falling out of the sky. It's yeah, it's lots awesome. of graphical work. It's by graphic- awesome, but you know the the scientist <clears throat> in me just says no. That yeah. <laughs> so that was my weather. It'll probably make tons of money though. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. You know it will. I mean, Sharknado made all that money. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, you can, I'll tell you what, guys. You can find all that stuff in our show notes at stormfrontfreaks.com. Uh, Maz, take us through WX Resources. Awesome. For those of you who don't know what that is, uh, there are cool sites that you can find, sometimes the latest technology, sometimes just a, a newer way of showing something. We love it because then we end up using some new stuff on our, our morning stuff that we look at. So, Dina, what's the new stuff that you have for us? Okay, so this is going to be good because 
Brady probably knows about this, but he can use it. It's from the National Weather Service. It's the ripcurrents.noaa.gov forward slash forecasts. So I kind of thought about this. Um, I'd like to use apps and things, but because everybody's going to be on spring break here soon, uh, you can get your beach and rip current forecast. That's good. Um, and I didn't find an app equivalent, but you can just use it on the browser and just save it as a bookmark. So say, um, you know, Brady goes down to Florida. He wants to look at it. He can get um, the max temperature, the winds, the surf. You get the UV index. Um, you get the rip current, which is a big deal. So whether it's low, medium, or high. Um, and it gives you, a, most of the time, this all gives you water temperature, high and low tides. And you can get it for, you know, all, of the, all up and down the coast, the Gulf, the Great Lakes, and the West. So whether you're headed out to um, vacation or just want to go to the beach, that's a really good one. Because, um, you know, a lot of times, like we always go away for a beach vacation. And you see, like, the sign as you enter the beach with the colored flags, like the yellow or the red. You know, whether you, if it's a red flag flying, that's a high rip current. Things like that. Normally, That's they'll good. give you the colors right there on the sign. But a lot of times, like you'll be sitting in your hotel and you see the re- the red flag flying. You kind of know. So you could check, you know, you could just save this right on your phone or bookmark it on your computer and look at it right there. I think it's a really good resource. Cool. Hot tub forecast too, right? When you're on mm. vacation. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Very cool. It. All right. Thank you. Let's go. Hey, Dakota, you got something for us? Yeah, uh, fellow podcasters over at Weather Hype, uh, Min and Castle. I'm going to plug their podcast uh, because they're awesome, and they they do kind of a podcast in a different way. They they talk a lot about social sciences and how it impacts uh, weather forecasts. And uh, you can find them at weatherhypepodcast.com, and you know you can find their podcast on Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, whatever you use. Um, so yeah, shout out to Weather Hype. Awesome, great, thank you, Kim. What do you have for weather resources? All right. I have ustornadoes.com. And let's see here. Can you see it? Why don't you tell us about it? Yeah. Okay. It's ustornadoes.com. And it's really um, a great website because you can actually see um, where tornadoes this year have already um touchdown around the country, but also you can look at climatology for tornadoes. It's like your all tornadoes website and also the history of tornadoes. Um, I just went in and did a search on the April 3rd, 1974 super outbreak. And there was a nice article written about that. So all the big outbreaks are in this, uh, your forecast from the storm prediction centers in here, um, as well as uh, climatology by state for tornadoes, um, satellite imagery, I mean, all great stuff. If, you ha- if you're if you into tornadoes, um, this is a pretty decent site. And uh, Catherine Provis, which I think uh, you guys had her on, she's actually one of the meteorologists who um, contributes to that website. So it's really a great one, I think. What's that site called again? It's ustornadoes.com. Got it. Cool. Awesome. Reed, man of the hour, what do you got for us? <clears throat> well, a few things. Uh, first, for those that uh, want to... Um... So especially, well, a, a tool that I use a lot when I'm forecasting is the SPC mesoanalysis page, first of all. Uh, I think that's a really good. Uh, and also those that want to get a 360-degree uh, camera, 
three three sixty fly are the cameras that I use, and you can just hook them right up to a suction cup mount. You can get them at Best Buy or anything, and then uh, stamp the uh, suction cup mount on top of your vehicle. Then shoot some pretty cool. amazing uh, three sixty cool. video during nice. storm season. So, how much they cost? Uh, yeah, how much? Yeah, they're a few hundred dollars. So they're about the same price as a GoPro, but. Uh, then yeah, you Keep can the shoot. I even use it a lot of times. off and breaks. <laughs> yeah, while I'm I don't know what happened to it. I, it came like that out of the box. <laughs> there you go, Dina. So, Reed, question: do, do the cameras stay mounted when you're driving 130 miles an hour in Canada? <laughs> <laughs> On a Prius. On a Prius. I, have, I have lost a few, actually. Uh, well, but uh, I was uh, in tornadic winds, not from speeding that fast. Oh, but, I mean, uh, they, uh-huh. they can get ripped off sometimes. But I think the good thing is that the perfect spherical shape doesn't get you know, gripped too much by the wind. So the spherical high speed, yeah, <laughs> suction cup failure. Anyway, all right, <laughs> Phil. All right, so I'm I'm going to do a little plug uh, for our guest tonight, Reed Timmer. Um, Reed back in 2011 was part of a book. Uh, he co-wrote a book called Into the Storm. And if, if, you're, if you were a fan of the Discovery Channel's Storm Chasers series, um, this is a great follow-up book because it really talks a lot about some of those tornadoes that uh, he intercepted, talks and in, in the setups to those. Uh, there's a lot of neat education involved in it as well. So if you'd like to learn more about tornadoes and storms do a great job of of adding some education to that as well so uh the book is called into the storm and again that's uh co-authored by reed timmer nice dope looks great cool looks lit royalty looks lit lit. (laughs) (laughs) exactly Uh. (laughs) savage all right phil yes you're still muted yeah, I am still muted. Yes, my and I, my beautiful voice is going strong tonight. Um, yeah. So if you want, if you want more information, uh, or you want the uh, uh, websites to those, just go to our website, stormfrontfreaks.com, and check out the show notes for episode twenty-two. Uh, they'll all be on there. MJ, do we have any uh, listener or viewer questions or comments? Yes, sir. We have one that came in here uh, a couple days ago from Jimmy Burgess, one of our uh, one of our listen- uh, listeners or viewers. I know he's chimed in before. And I'm going to pull the audience, pull the freaks here and see who knows the answer to his question. Okay. What's the longest track tornado uh, on the ground in the history of the United States? Wow. Does anybody know this? Wow. Uh, Is that the, the Illinois one? India Tri-State. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. 209 miles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, actually I'm seeing 218, mm-hmm. but I think that's mm-hmm. the one, yeah, okay. that uh, I think that's wow. one you guys are talking wow. about. Yeah. Wow. Good job, Reed. What year was that? Good job. There you go, Reed. Mm. What year? Right. What year was that? Was, uh, Do you know it? Go ahead. Yeah. I, I, think, tw- I think 25, 1925. Yeah, it was March 18. March 18. Were you chasing? Were you chasing for that? Yeah. <laughs> no, this most recent one, uh, a few weeks ago, the Tuesday night tornado was r- really close to the tri state tornado path. There was two bi state tornadoes, but there was a. And there was actually a house that was destroyed in the 1925 tri state tornado that was damaged again by the one 
uh, this last or February. Oh, 28. you're kidding! Wow. Mm-mm-mm. You could give up at that point in time. Be like, ah, just you know, move someplace else. <laughs> Seriously, though. All right. Well, that hey guys, that about does it uh, for this episode of Stormfront Freaks podcast and Stormfront Freaks Raw. Uh, thanks for listening and watching. If you enjoy the show. Please leave us a review on iTunes so others like you can find us. Uh, we want to give a special thanks to our guest, Reed Timmer. Reed, thanks for joining us tonight. Thank you so much for having me. I had a blast. Awesome. Uh, awesome. And we also, uh, also want to uh, put a shout-out to our National Weather Podcast Month guest co-host, Dakota Smith. Um, but, Dakota, tell us a, a little bit about your Weather Junkies podcast. Yeah, so uh, we do it every week. It's about an hour long. Uh, me and my, uh, me and Tyler Jankowski, who's an on-air meteorologist in upstate New York, and we have a guest on every week. Uh, this this week we had uh, uh, Louis Uccellini, director of the National Weather Service, mm-hmm. on. Oh, and nice. next week we're having a bunch of members from each podcast on. So it's going to be like all the podcasts colliding, uh, and we do it right before this show. And and you know, it was a relief to come on this show because it's the most entertaining one. And, you know, here's your dollar. Yes, there you go. <laughs> um, there we go. All right. You well, can, you can see ahead. us, uh, find everything at theweatherjunkies.com. Awesome. Cool. And, and awesome. Uh, thanks it, for joining us. Thank you. I, for I having definitely me. appreciate uh, it. Yeah, you, you you guys have a great show there. We uh, I certainly love love listening to you guys as well. So thank you. Um, our next episode is in two weeks. Uh, it's on March twenty third, nine o'clock Eastern, eight Central, and we'll be with Storm Chaser and owner of Severe Studios, Corey Hartman. And again, as part of National Weather Podcast Month, we will have a guest co-host from the Weather Brains Podcast. Uh, Bill Murray will be with us. So go to stormfrontfreaks.com if you'd like to watch it live. And so for MJ and Maz and Brady and Dina, Dakota, Reed and Kim, I'm going to go ahead and signal the all clear and we will catch you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Have a good night. Thank you for listening to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. To subscribe and be notified when new episodes of our bi-weekly show are available, you can go to iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app and search the Stormfront Freaks. If you would like to contact us with questions or make comments about the show, shoot us an email to questions at stormfrontfreaks.com or follow us on Twitter at Stormfront Freaks. We'd love to hear from you. For show notes, additional information about this episode, as well as past and upcoming shows, videos, photos, and more, visit our website at stormfrontfreaks.com. While you're there, check out the interactive radar provided by our friends at zoomradar.com, providing interactive weather content for web, mobile, and digital displays at cost-effective prices, zoomradar.com. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash stormfrontfreaks. Join us next time and tell a friend about the Stormfront Freaks podcast.